Welcome to the limited series of On Air. Our podcast brings together fanpod professionals, mentors, and supporters for a conversation about career topics. We want to discuss different perspectives and see what we can learn from each other. Today, we'll talk about leadership style. What makes a successful leader? What are some of the specifics of leadership in the Czech environment? What are the benefits of remote leadership? We'll talk about this and much more with Dita Formánková and Milan Formánek. Dita is a co-founder and director of the Czech-based social business Czechitas that is inspiring and educating women and youth in IT and digital skills. Besides Czechitas, she initiated other educational projects like Academy of Programming, Power Coders, Data Girls and Czech Green Fox Academy. Recently, she has also joined Avast on a journey of building a global, diverse and inclusive culture. Milan leads a creative communication agency Zaragoza and worked in Red Bull Media for 14 years, where he coordinated 20 countries and built a great team. Milan successfully tested and innovated complex marketing approaches on more than 300 projects and worked with over 100 world top athletes and artists. He teaches and consults modern marketing already to 500 organizations, NGOs, startups and universities. Milan has mixed this practice with theory from more than 400 business audiobooks. Let's talk leadership. Milan and Yuta, it's my pleasure to welcome you on our FemPalette podcast. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure. Today, our topic is leadership style. I would like to discuss with you two as leaders in the Czech and international environment. What are your values? What would be your recommendations mm-hmm. to other leaders? Therefore, please let me start with the question, which is what, in your opinion, is the most important feature of a good leader? In other words, what do you think are your leadership values? Dita, can you start? (laughs) This is the hardest question to start with, I think. (laughs) But uh, I think in general, what I would say, uh, what makes a good leader is to simplify things. It is really, really, really hardest thing to do and to develop others. So what I mean by mm. simplifying things is to deliver strategy and focus on simple actions and be able to translate a vision into concrete steps. Because for me as a leader, I mean leader of the entire organization, it's someone you know who, who sees the opportunity, then sets the direction and then navigate through difficult and sometimes uncertain times. So this is what I see as simplification, what, what it is. And the second thing, what I would say, where leaders should spend the most time, it's with developing others. It's it's their responsibility to, to coach and train people, give them feedback and, and create an environment where an individual can grow. So I guess if we focus only on those two things, <laughs> we will success as a leader. And based on my personal value, I would say for me, who is a good leader, it's someone who is bold, but still humble. Hmm. I can only sign that, what Dita said. In general, ability to build and run a high-performing team is um, what a leader should do, right? But as Dita mentioned, creating a strategy is the first step, but managing that each and every employee uh, in the company, in the organization, understands how they can contribute to that vision, that's another level, right? So a lot of these uh, visionary business plans in companies are full of buzzwords, And when it cascades down to the middle management and specialists, a lot of things get lost on the way, right? So I totally agree with simplification. Mm -hmm. And maybe explaining the why. 
-hmm. love Simon Sinek and his Star with Why, but um, we must understand uh, that there are different levels of um, Maslow pyramid when you are a specialist 20 year old, when you are a mom 35 years old, and when you are the owner of the company, right? So, mm -hmm. one why it's very hard to find one why which would be relevant to each and everyone in the company. If you have a great purpose, your mission is really relatable, that could work. But in general, I guess it's very hard to find one why which would resonate with everyone in the company. Yeah, but I think, you know, what's the greatest value what a leader can bring to mm -hmm. the company and to the society in general. I actually recall one, one nice definition of, of leadership and it's just taking a responsibility for creating a better future. I know it sounds mm -hmm. <laughs> very cheap, but this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Yes, but uh, you can look at all the Silicon Valley and all the startups already now in Czech Republic. It's all about making the world a better place. <laughs> but on the other hand, we shouldn't be closed in our uh, little bubbles. We as people who like to learn and um, be inspired by international companies and approaches of the best leaders in the world might sometimes get a little bit disconnected to the reality of majority of the people who just go to work to make some money for their living, right? If I take the side road, how would you say you keep in touch, you know, with the bigger picture and escape your bubble? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I proactively go to listen to people I don't agree with. People mm. which I might by heart not like, but being surrounded by various different um, personality types, not having a homogeneous uh, team of one man, but looking at different uh, genres and industries and age groups. It always helps me to get out of my confirmation bias. And out of your comfort mm -hmm. zone. Um, I would say, you know, what I apply mm -hmm. uh, daily is surrounding myself by better people than mm -hmm. I am. I mean, better meaning with, with greater experience and uh, with some other background, etc. because mm -hmm. it is what breaks the bubble. It's a very common phrase, uh, but how do you do that when you are on the, when, on the top if you are a CEO? Yeah, I, I remember, I remember, you know, when uh, Tanya Lemoyne, the CEO mm -hmm. of Google, one, one day she told me like, you know, it is very lonely on the top mm -hmm. and get used to it. And you, you need to constantly go and find people like mentors and connect with some other leaders and go back and apply those mm -hmm. learnings to your company. So mm -hmm. you're basically never alone because you're surrounded by your people. And th this is what brings me to the strategy, how to build your team. You need to always build a team that is consisting from people who are better than you, mm. right? Mm. And Dita ha has a lot of great mentors, but at some time, maybe when you turn 60, it will be harder and harder for you to be surrounded by mentors, right? And mainly in this fast changing world, people didn't walk your way uh, before. So I guess looking more, not only to mentors, but also coaches and, um, just looking at different industries completely, what you can take out of that, right? Well, when you are mm. 60, you can always learn from someone who is 20 year old. Mm, yes. because, you know, and can you do that when you are 30? <laughs> you can. Uh, I can learn from my uh, little brother and he's just eight years uh, uh, younger than me, but he's completely different generation. So mm -hmm. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> yeah, reverse mentoring. But mm -hmm. I think it's just mentoring, in my opinion. Awesome. Mm. Going a little bit towards the leadership style, how would you describe yours? Is it more, for example, directive or friendlier? How would your colleagues describe you? 
Mm -hmm. What do you say, Rita? Yeah, I guess you need to ask them, but, <laughs> you know, I ask because I'm trying to get uh, as much feedback as possible, obviously. Uh, this is I'm trying to uh, learn uh, from my mistakes. But I would say it's rather democratic, but still very demanding. I generally give people a lot of space, like mm -hmm. full trust into my team while I'm focused on uh, building uh, relations outside of the company or mm. on the overall strategy. I agree. So it gives a lot of autonomy. And it gives, uh, it actually creates the environment for the ownership. You can actually go and take the ownership on the follow-up, get things done, make it happen. But it puts a pressure on, on self-management and not ownership in general. So it's perfect for some, I think, but uh, not suitable for someone who needs more direct feedback and more strict guidelines. So, and it might be at the end limited for someone's development. So to sum up, I would say it is... Uh, I'm very ambitious, constantly challenging myself. I expect a lot from myself. So that's why I expect a lot from the others. <laughs> I constantly challenge the status quo. I'm impatient, but sometimes too stubborn, I would say, but disruptive. Someone call it disruptive, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> but very positive and empathetic. This is what I would find out in, in the year annual feedback that we always mm -hmm. collect from our team members that is empathetic. I tend to spend uh, a lot of time listening to the others and mm. be totally present when I'm mm -hmm. talking to them. Definitely. Yeah, that's a big strength of data. <laughs> Thanks. Mm. <laughs> How about Milan? Well, first of all, I wouldn't call myself leader yet. <laughs> But in general, I would say situational leadership. I like mm -hmm. to be adaptable, flexible. But in general, I still explore and learn. Uh, I try to different techniques and approaches uh, and I utilize different leadership styles depending who I am interacting with and the current goal. So I would say currently I don't prefer to be commanding or pace setting or even affiliative as Dita might be. So I would say naturally I lean more towards like visionary and I would love to learn more how to utilize coaching style in this fast moving mm -hmm. world because that's something I just learned recently, like two years ago for the first time, and some proper coaching training, but I find it still quite hard in a dynamic world to find the time for that, right? Because it's so easier and faster just to be commanding yeah. and it's uh, very it's, tempting, right? It's very time-consuming, mm. but I think you are a very, very, very good coach. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but, but in general, I guess... Throughout my later career, I would love to get into servant leadership, and it's a long way to go. <laughs> I completely see your point in the coaching-based leadership, meaning helping the people find their own way, walk their own path, and help them do that. And as you said, it takes more patience, more time to do that. Mm. And one thing Wonderful. is that the people who need the help most not always are the ones who are able to ask for the help. And even if you give it to them proactively, not always they are able to get the help, right? And to receive it. <laughs> It's one of the biggest mistakes of us leaders. We sometimes waste energy mm. with people who are unable doing actions mm -hmm. and are willing to learn. Coach the coachable, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. How would you say has the leadership style of yours changed over time or did it? 
the dive you can start again yeah i think it did not and that's the problem sometimes <laughs> because my strength is working uh with rather smaller team where we are able to sit around the table and brainstorm and then uh at the end of this meeting like each take their ownership on the follow-up and get things done because i <laughs> i think like i can really really motivate myself a lot and some follows but when you are managing bigger team there is a need for processes and mm-hmm. and also you need to sometimes learn how to set the internal communication so the strategy is really translated via some other managers mm-hmm. you know to every single employee and sometimes it's not even like translating the vision but sometimes unpopular decisions right so I think right now, you know, it was really hard, you know, this change of, of the mindset mm-hmm. or where I feel comfortable. But with some mentors, I think I learned and I learned a lot from my own mistakes. And right now I'm more in a backstage, especially in Chiquitas. I'm more silent and allowing people to express themselves and challenge each other. And I'm only responsible for creating the environment where <laughs> managers are empowered to do their own decisions. But it's, it is a hard one. And I think like what helped me the most is really reflecting back on my own mistakes. And second, it's, it's the mentoring. So I learned a lot from Mila, actually, <laughs> who is sitting right next to me a lot, actually. And and then from my colleague, Andre, who is executive director in Czechitas, because he's completely different. He has completely different uh, leadership style from me mm-hmm. and suitable for the stage where Czechitas is. And also mm-hmm. from my external mentors, Petr Bochli or Roman Stupka. I think they're really, really good examples of great, great mentors. Thank you. Milan, how about you? You are my teacher, you know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> what is the question? <laughs> the question is like so, how it has changed. <laughs> what happened to the teacher and the mentor of Ditas <laughs> to become a better leader? How has your leadership style changed over time? What helped you in the process of becoming who you are today? Mm, well, I would say... It's a natural progression done more by the age rather than the company or size of a team you are in. So what helped me a lot were virtual mentors. I like this quote that you are the average of five people you spend most time with, be it either your colleagues, family, friends, whoever. So I focused a lot on defining where I want to be in 10, 30, 60 years. And I listened a lot to people who are 60 years old rather than these 30 years old successful startup sellers. So, and these people who I've found um, being resonating with me, I just like pinned them to my social media on the top, put them in my podcast and YouTube watch later. And these people helped me a lot. So I guess sometimes we can feel that we are victims of the company we stay in, of the leaders we have above us, but I guess never in the history we had such a great opportunity to not be limited by that you can just change your surrounding completely if you want and i i don't recommend to anyone just to wait for a good leader only 30 percent or less can remember any good leader in their career who they like to work again for right (laughs) so it's more like how can you change your surrounding how can you change your position come up with solutions not only with requests but with the specific two, three different ways where you can go and let their leader help you to decide which way to take. That's the message change, right? Mm. It, it I love that. Did, did you know actually that uh, one of the top reasons why people are leaving company is the leader? Mm, yeah. You know, he's the manager. It's more than money or crazy. more than the product, more than the category. Right? Mm. And that's why it's still such a hot topic that we are discussing mm. today. 
Dita and Melanie, you both mentioned some virtual mentors, uh, international. Dita, you mentioned some that you work with, even your husband. Which leaders in Czech Republic and worldwide do you admire? Can you give us some tips who we should follow? Sure. I'm rather opposite, you know, from Milan. I don't follow a lot of international leaders, but one I would recommend is actually the book that was uh, written by founders from Basecamp. Uh, it's called Restart or uh, Rework, and it is very nice leadership style they described in the book. So I really love their approach to the ownership and self-motivation and, you know, how, how just the methodology on how do they treat their own employees is just very inspiring. But from my closest leader, you know, I know, I would say Andrzej Wolczyk, who is CEO of Avast. Um, this is the reason why I actually joined that company. He's very inspiring and very engaged with almost everyone, even there are 2000 people working for that company. He's very engaged, very involved, but he knows the core, you know, he has the knowledge and experience and he's very well respected, but still very authentic and a great mm -hmm. friend and he pays the attention. So this is the one. And then I would say... Zuzana Chaputova, <laughs> because I, I just because we wish. <laughs> yeah, I wish this is just like someone who I really admire. This is she just represents the values what I really would love to see from any, <laughs> any politician, any any politician. And then I would say Tanya Lemoyne because she's a leader that inspired me a lot. Uh, she's a great enabler. This is what I think her leadership style is. This is how she's building the Czech, not only the Czech, the Czech Google. So, thank yeah. you, Milan. Who is it for you? Well, um, Why? there are, of course, the natural, obvious, like uh, our family, either we want it or not. Uh, our parents and grandparents and siblings are a great influence to us, our first teachers. Then, of course, the heroes from the first movies, like uh, for me, Captain Picard from Star Trek or Old Shatterhand <laughs> from here <laughs> too. <laughs> I guess all this, however we want or not, influences us. But if I look at the current business uh, mentors, somebody who really stands out out of the crowd uh, of specialists is uh, Tony Robbins. I find him to be a fascinating personality leading over like 70 companies. He might be controversial for somebody. He might be too American for somebody, but there is just so much you can learn from him. We mixed, you know, international and local leaders I bet there are some specifics to our Czech environment compared mm. to abroad when it comes to leadership, when it comes to work styles, when it comes to communication. What are some of those for you that maybe people who appear in the Czech environment for the first time might find shocking or challenging? Dita waves at me with her hand <laughs> to start <laughs> to do this one. So I definitely agree that there is a big difference. Uh, when I was leading different countries, I could definitely see that there is quite gap with one similarity, and that was ex-communist countries in our region of uh, Central Southeast Europe. I guess also if we add to that uh, the First and Second World War we had, then you can look at one the whole century where any creativity, any individualism, any sign of uh, stepping up or being a leader was actually punished. Mm and oftentimes by death. So however we want it or not, it's rooted in the way how we've been raised, how people were thinking about wealth, properties, money, and how that changed by those people who came to steal it, however good leader you were, however good values you had. 
and uh, current young people don't have this experience, but it's rooted in the uh, upbringing. And there is a conflict between us as young and the parents and even more with the new generation. So I guess we should focus a lot to not stay in the way of the youth who don't have this uh, junk attached to their legs. But on the other hand, find a good way how to give them the learnings we have. However, they might be not applicable at 100%. We can see throughout history that we as people tend to repeat our mistakes. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> like I don't have a, that much comparison, even though I'm now functioning in a global role. Um, mm-hmm. I would say we are more likely to be modest and very silent in a Czech Republic mm-hmm. about uh, our own accomplishments. And this is what I would love to see more. Mm-hmm. In our environment, when you say mm, something very humble, you are the hero, right? For many people. And that can be a bit tricky, maybe if you as a listener are coming from Western countries where you've been taught to stand up, to communicate assertively, proactively, present well your results. Some people might feel that you are pushing it too much or you are just bragging around it. That's a pity. That maybe we are in those two extremes, <laughs> Czechs and Americans, maybe we are on a different perspective of the scale. I guess the good balance is as it usually is uh, in the middle. Yeah, find the final middle middle path. Mm-hmm. Do you see some improvements, some compromise that's leading to this middle path also currently that the Czech people around you are trying to uh, embrace this assertiveness, this sense of you know, not feeling guilty that you did something right, that you presented very well. Do you see this as a trend? Well, I do see that definitely with younger generation. Mm. Is, uh, mm. You know, they don't tend to compare themselves only with people they are surrounded with, but they adopt, you know, the benchmark through the social media. And, and they do have their own personal heroes that are not definitely from Czech Republic, right? Not definitely, but I'm, I would say they have global friends. So their benchmark is somewhere else. Mm. No, I think we who don't have it, we are lost. <laughs> so, but if you go to high schools, you at the first sight, you might say, this generation is lost. They are just stick to their <laughs> smartphones. They look at these weird influencers and YouTubers. That's crazy. We are doomed. But when you go beyond that, if you start to talk to them, if you listen to their projects, what they are yeah. able to achieve uh, through their thesis or summer campus workshops. It's unbelievable. The way it's, they present and the content of it, it's way beyond most of adult people. It is, it is, it is. I can totally mm. agree with that because every summer in Chiquitas, we organize this mm-hmm. summer IT school for high schoolers. And at the end of the week, attendees are asked to present their projects from a hackathon and mm-hmm. they're able to present with so much confidence in English right. in front of so many people. You know, I'm kind wow. of jealous that I, I wasn't like that. <laughs> when I was you know in high school and you know I was afraid of public speaking and I'm still I, I'm still am <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that you see this positive shift firsthand so that's very on a positive note <laughs> Dita I would like to ask you what do you think are some of the things that female leaders could learn from male leaders and vice versa 
Well, I would love to not to classify, you know, you know whether it is a male or female leadership, because you know what happens uh, with with little diversity in a leadership is that female leaders often adopt the the male leadership style in order to be successful. This is what happens with uh, like lack of diversity in a leadership. But uh, what I would say in general, uh, they say that men tend to provide more direction and women are more like the way they encourage employees to find their own direction. So what I can learn from women, I think, you know, to be more cooperative and conversational and democratic, I guess. And they can also apply more social impact because this is where we see a lot of women caring about, you know, how social entrepreneurship and they're very involved in a nonprofit sector and, and mm-hmm. they're often leading nonprofit organizations, etc. So I think this is where men can really uh, use some inspiration. And I think, you know, for women, what I would love to actually have more, uh, what I would love to learn from uh, my male colleagues is more confidence i would really <laughs> love to delete this imposter mm. syndrome as women we are more likely to be modest and mm. and silent about what we achieved mm. and this is what we can see not only in the leadership but also when you are applying for a new job uh, we underestimate uh, ourselves and also i would uh, i would love to learn not to read in between lines <laughs> they say that <laughs> that men are more transactional when it comes to a leadership so this is what i would love to learn and uh, like i said at the beginning be more task oriented rather than a relationship oriented Because sometimes, like I said earlier, also we tend to sometimes waste time with people who do not want to learn and don't want to take an action. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Milan, is it similar for you or is it different? Tell us. I also don't distinguish it, men and women. Mm, but in general, if you want to say, I would say empathy is something <laughs> a lot of male leaders might be lacking uh, in our region. Ability to listen more than to speak. We have two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> we should use it uh, in that amount. And looking best and speaking most is not the only way forward, right? I guess maybe the biggest mistake of uh, leadership in the history is that charisma is something super crucial that you need to have a big charisma to be a leader. I guess it's the opposite that if you come to a company, to a big meeting, that you are not able to distinguish who is the leader in the room. I actually find this uh, to be very good um, position because in general, you know, people want to be understood. After that, they want to understand each other. So there is a lot of competition within Mm -hmm. a group for status. That comes from our long history and male are, of course, dominantly focused on that. And competition then between groups for survival. So competition between different companies in the industry for survival. That is a very easy trick some leaders are using to bond the team. Because the survival is more important than competition for status. So that's a trick some leaders are using, but I don't recommend that. I guess, of course, as you say, walk the talk, talk the walk, and mm. just um, be very brief with your thoughts and make the team not being afraid to make mistakes, have good relations and not be narcissistic or psychopathic as a lot of leaders there unfortunately are. <laughs> yeah, I think like, like women are very competitive. So. Mm, yes, they are, true. But is it for status or is it for something different? I don't know. I don't know. I'm personally very competitive. <laughs> and this is what I learned from my father. 
so this is what i adopted from mm-hmm. uh, the male leader you yeah. know of the of the family <laughs> i might be overstepping mm-hmm. here but maybe there are a lot of women who tend to uh, compete for approval or yeah. for love for Absolutely. good relationships rather than status it is actually a competition for the recognition for being mm-hmm. loved mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being recognized mm-hmm. and this is our yeah. constant battle i mm-hmm. think uh, you can see that many times uh, when you talk to women and when you mentor women they are constantly trying to be valued. satisfy others right well values and recognize sometimes mm-hmm. because they but through the eyes of others right not only through their eyes Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. While well, on the other hand, a lot of men are trying to fight to look good in their own eyes. Sometimes they don't even care about other people. They just want to feel that they are. And this <laughs> is best, exactly right? what I would wish the strongest. to learn. This is this is the <laughs> is this it? is the thing what I wish to no, learn. No, please. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's just. You know, simply saying yourself that you're good enough, you know, you, you mm. learn a lot and you achieved a lot and that's okay. And it's okay when someone does not really like you, right? So mm. well it's yeah. it's general for all of us as people, right? That we need uh, attention, we need confirmation, we need acceptance. But I guess it's very dangerous if we let too much the other part of our humanity, which is the fight for status, for power, for control over resources. That's a bit dangerous because that can be seen also then in the way how leaders are doing the structure, how they are predictable and how they are limiting creativity. Mm, absolutely. So maybe as Dita said about the confidence that she wished we didn't have the imposter syndrome and felt more confident, we should seek it from the inside rather than from the approval and waiting for someone to praise us for something we did. So mm. get a little bit more into ourselves rather than to the outside world. And maybe not even that, right? Maybe we just shouldn't look at ourselves, at others, but look at the vision, the mission. What do you think? As a leader. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is where I take my own motivation. I see the results and I see the impact and I see that the vision was translated into actions and mm. those actions were successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, how we should actually take the motivation back yeah. because i guess servant I leadership i hope doesn't mean that you are servant of everyone in the company that you are baking them cookies and <laughs> you are doing every wishes they have i guess it's more about being servant to the organization and its vision and mission rather yeah, than promoting that. your own personal values yeah so they should be ideally in sync <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. No matter how, how you try, uh, when you start a company, the, the company inherits some of your mm-hmm. personal values and True. it is very deeply rooted in the DNA of the company. <laughs> and uh, so sometimes it's hard to change this. And yeah. especially, If you want to change the CEO, that's a tricky thing then. It, yeah, it takes a lot of time. And especially when the company grows and and, and suddenly, you know, you, man- you are managing people, I mean, team of 50 people and you just need different little different kind of leadership and mm-hmm. you know the values are very strongly rooted out there <laughs> yeah i'm really glad you mentioned the growth of the team the company uh leading bigger teams and i would like to ask how can one keep an individual approach and still you know keep the values uh, in the dna of the company with uh, the bigger teams how do you think a good leader should manage that Yeah, I would say one thing, build a good management team, find people who really translate your vision and values into actionable steps and build a leadership 
and learn from them. And this is, you know, how you can actually keep an individual approach with your employees, even when you lead a huge team. This is one thing, an obvious, the long-term one, the most difficult one. Mm -hmm. But I would say, even though you don't see everyone personally, it is great to be authentic um, because I think authenticity in general builds a credibility and you can sometimes uh, go and attend the event or some meeting where and, and kind of praise people and just engage in brainstorming even though it is not part of your agenda it is like just support people by your presence i i guess sometimes but the first and, and last thing is really build a great uh, leadership team because they translate yeah. uh translate mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. yeah i guess um i love these one-on-one -on -one walk and talks that i did it already before covid that i uh, when the computer was not Uh, necessarily needed. We went uh, behind the office just for a walk. That has several benefits that you can focus on the road in front of you. You are not so distracted and focused on the nonverbal communication. So that helps a lot to have more clarity in your thoughts. So I guess that's a very good way how to be connected one-on-one -on -one with the team. And uh, I'm a big fan of not being flooded by executivity. Just have a great people around you who can do the daily task and running in the wheel, but you can be beyond that to be able to look into the future. And on the other hand, if you like, be connected with the wider team. Yeah, and it can be very personal in a digital world. You know, mm -hmm. it, you can, it sometimes can be even more personal uh, than mm -hmm. in person because right now, you know, via Slack and email or any kind of communication too, you can use just a few seconds to send someone direct message or put an emoji in a Slack, you know, that you, you agree or you value this opinion, etc. So you can be very personal mm -hmm. even when the company is big. I can see that on a daily basis uh, in Avast, you know, how Andre is very personal, even though he's leading such a big team. Yeah, so give immediate recognition or feedback is actually easier in this online environment. I love the recommendation on of leaving the execution on others, because it's very hard to combine, you know, thinking about the executive stuff that you have to do, and then also keep all the people in your yeah. mind, you know, and their well-being. Mm -hmm. So I really love that advice. Thank you. Yeah, and what I do to achieve this is I, first of all, try to eliminate whatever can be eliminated. If not possible, then I try to automatize it. If not possible, mm -hmm. then I delegate it. Because almost everything can be done better or cheaper than by me. So then there is not enough left to be done. But I noticed that there are a lot of leaders who feel that they need to be best in the executive work so the team can see them as valuable leader. Mm -hmm. If they are not able to understand the specific details of the profession, they might be seen as weak or irrelevant and i guess that's uh, not true at all yeah it is like you know leaders are enablers mm. and it also goes with promotion right i guess currently progress should be the new promotion but in history you had a sales team and the guy with best results was now a director yeah he stopped <laughs> be selling so you got rid of the best salesperson and currently he needs to be a leader and maybe he has no skills for that right so being good at a specific discipline doesn't make you a good leader and vice versa And it's often adopted in a lot of corporates. Mm -hmm. I can still see that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, actually, that brings me to, like, how would you solve this? Like if the person is the best in the team, the best executor in the team, what then should be the natural progress of that person, if not a managerial position, which probably doesn't suit them or assume it doesn't suit them? Yeah, I think, you know, the company should be built on two different directors, two, two kinds. The first are people directors and the second are specialists. And uh, mm-hmm. you can grow actually deeper into your specialty. So you can be even better salesperson. And obviously, as a leader of, of such company, uh, having those two kinds of people um, there, you are responsible for creating the best environment for both kinds. So creating the best environment for someone who wants to specialize and be really an expert and go into depth. But the second type of person is rather more generalistic and is more like an enabler and is people director mm-hmm. and i think like we should admit that the hierarchy is not just one kind but those two kinds and we need both i would add that as a leader i find it very easy i guess people uh, should be focused when they are the best uh, that you give them even more room for their meaning autonomy mm-hmm. mastery freedom and responsibility to be specific If somebody likes, they can have a free Friday. If somebody likes, they can get super nice bonuses for education to travel around international conferences. Mm. If somebody likes, they can get responsibility for some special new innovative project. Yeah. Or taking one day off to go to a different department. I would or go teach at university. There are mm. so many different ways how you can be more happy at work outside the money and status. The issue is that in history, and I guess a lot of HR people listening would confirm that, like 20 years ago when you were having uh, an interview, I guess that a lot of managers were asking about the salary, about the car, uh, about uh, the budget they will be responsible for. But currently, when you talk to young people, I don't hear these questions so often. Sometimes you can even hear things like, what are your CSR activities and what um, ecological approaches you have? What are your mission? And all these different weird questions, which are totally non-business, non-financial from the perspective for older people. But that's what I think might be the future as we might get to things like universal basic income or whatever other crazy scenarios. In general, people mm. are very satisfied now. They have a lot of money. They have, in our country, they have a lot of freedom. It depends. Like you can say you don't have no money. There are so many different hundreds of thousands of people in executions. But on the other hand, still, if you look and the way of living of people who are in execution in comparison to some people in Africa or other countries or people in Czech Republic three, four hundred years ago, I would say we are living a really luxurious life. So our Maslow pyramid is kind of solved within the basics and we should mm. focus more on the higher pillars. Yeah. yeah so agree. no yeah. one size fits all approach, but rather a personal approach and find Definitely. what motivates the person and help them progress in that way. Wonderful. I experience it, I experience it quite often that uh, there are companies sometimes have already strategy, but they don't have the specific individual KPRs or OKRs So the mm. team members actually don't know what they should focus on throughout the year as the biggest task. They are just swallowed by the daily execution. 
And then it's very hard for both parties at the end of the year to ask for salary improvement or some extra benefits, right? Because how can you be judged if you didn't have any specific goals, if you didn't talk to your manager throughout the year and before it set the major tasks? Because then it's a lot about your perceived importance of what you should focus on, but that uh, is not always translated how the boss sees it. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I'll try to sum up three biggest mistakes. So what are the three biggest mistakes or most common mistakes that leaders do? From what you said, I would pick don't waste energy on wrong people and don't try to be the best at the executive stuff and learn from others. What would you add? I would say the biggest mistake is not focusing on the leadership job. And it brings me to the very beginning, not focusing on developing others and not focusing on simplifying things and not focusing to thinking outside of the box and not focusing on developing yourself as a leader. Because sometimes we forget that, you know, sometimes we tend to, and especially this is how I am, tend to spend a lot of time with the other people and, and trying to motivate them. And But, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I forget that I should be the one that it, people follow. So, so it brings me to the very beginning. And yeah, this is what I would say is the biggest mistake. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking uh, you remind me two things. Uh, one is that leaders are not born. Anyone can take responsibility for a team. And I guess that there are a lot of great people who are maybe introverts, who are not so talkative and can be great leaders. But maybe it's the same with girls in IT, right? There are a lot of girls who just don't love math or they play uh, with dolls instead of cars, so they cannot be IT girls. And I guess that's the same for leaders. You might have some view how the leader should look like, but there is not one single good way of leading one good leadership style world is a beautiful diverse place and there is a room for so many different talents so i would say if you think you cannot be leader maybe you might be the best leader (laughs) that is uh, beautifully said it is a long run you know being a good leader I believe in authenticity, really bringing your strengths into how you lead people and team. And I like saying that weaknesses are strengths overdone. And, you know, this is what you should avoid. And if you avoid that, you avoid the biggest mistake you can do as a leader. Mm. And I would sum it up with something I think that Gordon said, that we should distinguish between management and leadership. It might be very obvious for the listeners, but for me personally, I was not taught uh, this at the universities. I found it quite later in the career that managing is helping people do what they did yesterday, but faster and cheaper. So managing is kind of staying the course, but leadership is taking the leap, right? Doing something that might not work, pointing to a problem, a challenge, an opportunity and saying, I'm going over here and who wants to come? And I think we need both to succeed. Sometimes we might see that leadership is the only thing in these modern discussions and modern companies. And in some older traditional industrial companies, you might see that management is the only important thing. I guess we should try to learn, mix both in a good way. Wonderful. I think we should stop it right here at this beautiful summary. I want to thank you both for taking the time in your busy calendars to talk to me, to talk in this way to our listeners, to our FemPlet community. And I wish you a wonderful evening and I hope to see you soon in person. Stay safe and healthy. 
Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All the best. And that's a wrap. But the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, guest suggestions or feedback, shoot us an email to podcast at fanpalette.com. To learn more about our community, head over right now to Fanpalette Instagram or Facebook and get involved. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode of On Air, a podcast by Fanpalette.